Welcome to this new episode of the Enrollment Clinic. My guest today is uh, Samira Pardanani, uh, who is the Associate Vice President of International Education and Global Engagement at Shoreline Community College. And Samira is one of these uh, leaders in the industry that I've wanted to talk to for a while just because, uh, and I'll have her talk a little bit about her experience, but she has a, a, a vast experience in you know, uh, international education. Also wanted to have her talk a little bit about Shoreline Community College because I think you know it's one of those institutions that does an amazing job at attracting international students, retaining them, and then uh, almost acting like a like a feeder school for universities across the U.S. So welcome, Samira. Hi, it is wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. I talked a little bit about your vast experience, but I'm I want to have you talk a little bit about it. Just uh, how I entered the field and all of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. Um, so I um, grew up in India and um, studied in Germany and Austria first, and then um, came to the U.S. as an international student. So it's been kind of a lot of international experiences. Um, it's kind of part of who I am. Uh, but my my first job out of grad school was as a study abroad advisor at Brown University in, in mm. Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, then I moved on to University of Michigan, uh, where I was also in international education. Uh, so, but as you can see, you know, I've had a variety of institutions that I've been, you know, had the, the you know, wonderful experience of experiencing. And then after that, uh, moved to Seattle to Shoreline Community College, which is in the greater gotcha. Seattle area. And um, I've stayed here for 19 years and it's amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I had never worked at a community college before then and, you know, a large four-year institution, you know, research university. And then um, it's been really nice to uh, to do that, to be part of that. And um, international ed, it, it's kind of in my blood. I mean, the last year and a half, I actually got tapped to oversee all of student services at this college under our vice president. But um, you know, now that international is coming back, and we really needed my focus to you know come back to international. Uh, this is where I am, and so I'm very excited to be back. In in your kind of vast experience, you know, from from being an international student yourself, right, and and then managing. You know, international education for for uh, as many years as you have. What do you think are some of the main changes you've seen in the industry? Um, so some of the main changes in the industry. Well, some of the things that um, some things have stayed the same, and other mm. things have changed a lot. So you know, the U.S. for example, you know, we still don't have a national you know kind of policy in terms of international mm. ed, and so it's still everyone doing their own thing. Um, and kind of, you know, um, working obviously with our state de department of state and, you know, with the visas and all of that. But um, what has changed um, is kind of just the ability and the agility with which I, I have noticed, you know, universities and colleges and how they tackle, you know, all of the various kinds of, um, you know, uh, trends and, and situations that happen 
um, externally, it just feels like they've gotten much mm. more agile. And again, this is a generalization, obviously. Um, but um, and and then the other piece is that there's a lot more and you know educational technology. There's more kind of even NASA, for example. You know, more vendors coming. Um, mm. My first NASA was 1996. I'm probably aging myself, but I was in grad school at the time, and um, you know. Um, so you can see how much of, um, you know, kind of overlap and synergy that there's a lot of work being done, you know, with vendors, also the the acceptance of agents, I mean, you know, kind mm. of, you know, coming to NASA, that is something. So, it, you know, that these kinds of changes, obviously, now, I was in the international education field when, you know, we had um, the Asian financial crisis that mm. happened in, um, I believe it was so late 90s. Yep, late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or 1997. Um, and then um, after that, I mean, of course, 9-11, CBIS implementation, mm. SARS, all of that, what have you, you know, and then, mm. you know, then this pandemic, which was all of that on steroids is the way I describe yeah. it. But, yeah. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> Let me let me ask you quick because you 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 touched on on something on U.S. policy on international education. So, Canada has been at the especially the last couple of years has been really yes. kind of at the forefront of just making it as open to international students as possible. Australia is now doing the same thing, kind of easing the the ability to get jobs, the ability to stay in the country. What do you think? And again, you know, nobody kind of knows the answer to this, but what's your you know, reading the tea leaves in the next five to 10 years, you think the U.S. will have to relax the ability to get jobs here, the ability to kind of stay? Yeah, um, I think, yes. Uh, so part of it is also the other thing that I, I wanted to go back to your previous also question and also related to this one is the fact that the U.S. was kind of, you know, didn't have as many competitors in the past. Mm. It was kind mm. of like the U.S. is right up here and, you know, students want to go there. That's number one. It's still, you know, very, very attractive. And obviously the U.S. people are very, very interested in going to the U.S. But the competition worldwide, you know, all of the countries you mentioned, um, there is a lot more competition now. In terms of reading tea leaves, I think the U.S. is responding already. I mean, where you see kind of Education USA and kind of, you know, doing a lot more in terms of like, for my sector I and mean, community colleges, they're really pushing those. And, but yes, I think if we want to stay competitive, something has got to give, I mean, at least a national policy, because sometimes what ends up happening is that the colleges are, you know, working in one direction, trying to be, you know, um, encouraging students to come here and, you know, investing our dollars in recruiting students overseas. And yet mm. then when students don't get visas, it's kind of, you know, like we're not right. working. Um, in 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 conjunction, you know, with um, where with a national policy, it would be easier because then it, this is what the country wants, and then you know we can kind of you know energize that and 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 kind of really operationalize that as as colleges and universities. So that would be um, ideal um, if if we kind of continue. And and again, you know, with with all of these other countries doing much more of that, um, we've got our you know competition. Uh, you know, yeah. I will still say the U.S. is, you know, the U.S. is the U.S. in terms of its educational system. I mean, I would not change that, you know, me having come to the U.S. for my, uh, you know, education at all. So <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I know, but I was, I was looking at some, if you look at some of the research now that's coming out, Canada is now ranked as number one, you know, most attractive market for international students. And uh, 
I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, but let's let's talk about kind of uh, what's attractive for international students. Let's talk a little bit about community colleges. They've become a significant player, I would say, in the international student market, right? What what makes community colleges attractive? Absolutely. Um, so um, the first thing I will say is, you know, not all community colleges host large numbers of international students. So um, in a way, if a community college wants to be really, um, you know, having international students in a, in a significant way on their campus, they have to make sure that they are investing and very intentionally investing in an infrastructure for mm. the student population. So not all colleges will necessarily just, you know, there's a thousand five hundred, you know, or thereabouts community colleges in the U.S. And then you've got, you know, you look at the IIE Open Doors report and you've got the top 40. So typically the, the ones that, you know, so Shoreline has invested in that infrastructure, which, mm. you know, kind of because some community colleges um, will tend to be kind of, you know, more where students are, you know, part time or they're, you know, commuter students or what have you, where we have a residence hall on campus. So we have really gone all in and really, you know, made sure that we are equipped to, you know, serve international students from like 64 different countries that we have right now. Right. Um, so what makes it super attractive is I, I have to say, I mean, community colleges are a gem and they are probably the best kept secret um, mm. in the U.S. Um, educational higher ed, uh, you know, system. Um Students are, you know, paying a third of what they would pay to go to a four-year yeah. university a lot of times. Yeah. Wow. And then they are ending up at Shoreline because we have, again, invested in that infrastructure where we provide them with top-notch academic advising. Mm. They are ending up at, you know, top universities around the U.S. after the wow. two years. And then basically getting their, you know, bachelor's degree from that university. So we regularly... Yeah students transferring to, you know, UCLA, you know, UC Berkeley, University of Michigan, you know, obviously University of Washington, yeah. all around the country, you know, approximately 200, you know, universities. So there's that value add where, and the parents are saving, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. So, yeah. you know, the, the, you know, proof is in the pudding, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was actually kind of cool to see one of your students with uh, a flag of my alma mater, University of Illinois, so, nice. <laughs> on the website. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how do they hear about Shoreline? Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, community colleges because they're a you know fairly U.S. um, um kind of concept. Sometimes mm. you know when we go into a new market, we have to actually spend a substantial amount of time educating people and, you know, uh, informing them, I mean, letting them know what a community college is. And sometimes, mm. you know, people be like, that sounds too good to be true. You know, how can you like yeah. pay one third of the tuition and it's so flexible, you don't need, you know, uh, SAT, you don't need this, you don't need that. It just, it's like, we will just get in here and then, you know, we have the ability to transfer to a university. So, it is very flexible. It is supposed to be a very flexible model. And oh. um, that, so uh, the way that, but because, you know, we are not, you know, community colleges are not ranked in the typical, you know, US News and World Report, you know, rankings yeah. and all of that. Yeah. If we want international students, we have to go out there and, and get them and recruit them. So, gotcha. I mentioned, you know, the, the, the colleges that are very um, intentional and have, you know, invested in that infrastructure, they will do recruitment overseas if they really are serious about it. 
and then you know basically you know you're you're doing fairs and you're doing you know working with agents you're um doing all of that and then word of mouth i mean we have literally students i mean parents will send their third child the cousins the you know there's just mm. a lot of you know, word of mouth because we really really focus on the services so you know they've seen success after success so then that is you know built on that momentum yeah. So if, if you were to kind of rank, you know, the top three recruiting tools, if you will, what, what would they be? Word of mouth? Um, I would say, would it be just kind of fairs or, yeah. I would yeah. see overseas face-to-face -face recruitment. Nothing can mm. really replace that. You know, the meeting with, you know, um, parents with prospective students. So yeah, fairs would be one. Um, agents, very much so. And um, and word of mouth will happen, you know, automatically. That I yeah. mean, it's not yeah. necessarily like it can't be an intentional strategy per se. But we, you know, per our philosophy, we serve, we provide excellent services. So we know then that that will be, you know, something that will come back and help us. So, how big are you, you know, as a team in in data analytics when it comes to like enrollment, you know, enrollment funnels and kind of going through those metrics? Um, so we, uh, yeah, we tend to look at data a lot. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be super complicated. We have, you know, an enrollment plan also doesn't have to be super complicated. You know, it's not Got something it. that's pretty. And then, you know, you have all of these charts and then it just sits on a shelf. We tend Got to it. really use the, the, you know, to the data we collect, we might do something one year pandemic. Again, we are collecting it in a different way. Um, but essentially mm. we do analyze, we do look at, you know, where are our students coming from? How much money are we investing in different mm. markets? What's the return on investment in terms of, mm. you know, student populations? What's the retention rate? Um, we do look at, at metrics, you know, and what, you know, what are the sources that students are coming from? Um, and so it is important to do that just because then you can kind of, again, you know, um, very, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, look at the way that you're strategizing and, and really, you know, put, put, you know, your resources where you think you're going to get, um, you know, Got returns. It. Got it. Yeah. One, one of the difficult things about kind of being in, in, in the position of, you know, the leading an admissions team and especially tackling all of these different countries and we're so dependent on visas, right? And there are countries where you can get a visa in 15 days and then a month later it becomes 490 days, which basically means you kind of have to change your entire strategy, right? Um, so one of the toughest things is figuring out once you once you pick a country, say, I don't know, Philippines, right? You've never done anything in Philippines. Uh, is there a methodology on, you know, how you allocate a budget to this specific country? How long do you advertise before you decide? Or how long do you, are you in the country before you decide, okay, this is working or it's not working? Yeah, um, we do. We do have certain um, kind of, um, you know, like principles that, yeah. that we actually use. I will tell you, it is not a science. It is, it's mm. an art. And, and so, yes, we have those and, you know, that, that's, there is, but there are so many other kind of factors that will influence that decision. Um, mm. The way we do it is, you know, and also it depends on how risk averse, you know, your leadership at the college is or is not. Um, mm. But essentially what we tend to do is um, we have three categories of markets. So we have our core markets, which are bread and butter markets that are tried and tested over time, decades 
Um, you know, we've had partnerships in those markets. Um, you know, Asia um, is 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 a prime example. The countries that mm. you know we traditionally recruited um, for markets, and then then we have uh, what are called um, developing markets, and that's our terminology. I'm sure others might yeah, use it. Yeah, for sure. Those are the ones where we have you know kind of put in some amount of of thought and have been developing over the years. Um, not necessarily putting a ton of resources, but just enough so that then we can see how are things going, you know, over time, over three years, are we seeing traction, are we not? Um, and then we have the emerging markets. And so mm. those are the ones that are, you know, brand new, kind of like the, you know, and we don't put in a ton of resources in the emerging markets per se, but what we do is we say, okay, we're going to try this out. For the next, you know, again, three years, we will see how things go, mm. but we won't put in a lot. And and what we also do is we do a regional strategy versus, you know, just a country by country. So Got you know, it. if we're going to be, you know, investing, then you, you go to that region and then you're kind of, you know, covering a few of those countries because then you're basically, you know, I mean, I'm sure other people do that as well, but um, yeah. that's something that we do. So there's no necessarily but i would say within three years if we don't see some sign of um kind of you know traction some uh, you know indications then we might kind of you know just ease off a little bit and and then you know kind of just monitor that mm. for a little bit and um now of course with the pandemic you know we also started doing you know adding the armchair recruitment piece which again it's not very effect as effective but it allowed us because everyone was grounded it allowed us to really um, uh, open new markets. And so, you know, where we used to have students from only 50 plus countries, now it's 64 countries. So mm. we were able to actually kind of, you know, um, get a wider number. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Um, you mentioned earlier um, agents as as a tool as well. What What are your thoughts on, on agents? Oh, uh, there are some, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, agents, um, uh, I mean, so many cultures, they are what students and parents will use. That's the expectation is that they are going to get help from a, you know, counselor or uh, mm -hmm. agent uh, to be, you know, kind of working. Um, we have relied on agents. We have to, especially, you know, colleges and universities that are, again, not, you know, the name brands. Right. Um, they certainly play a very important role. Um our agent partners in our four markets, as I mentioned, I mean, we've worked with them for decades, some of them. Mm. Uh, we are very, very careful about the quality and the, mm. the kind of agent that is, um, that is really, you know, serving students. Because at the end of the day, I think, I mean, we really protect our reputation. We care deeply yeah. about our reputation in that country. And so, you know, whether it's our reputation with the U.S. Embassy or consulate, or it's with, you know, um, students and parents, we want to make sure that we are kind of, you know, doing whatever it takes to work with, you know, again, you know, partners that are um, kind of very focused on the student and serving mm. the student and what's in the best interest mm. of the student. So that's something we've tried really, really hard. But absolutely, agents, we use them all the time. And and how do you feel about platforms, recruited platforms? You know, think of like uh, masterstudies.com, portals, aggregators of uh, applications, if you will, yeah. Yeah, we tend to use those less than than say agents. We do use some, but you know, again, then it's kind of not as um, kind of just 
in terms of the quality of students, first mm. of all, then shoreline doesn't stand out quite as much as that's true. That's say, true. you know, uh, or any university for that matter. Then it's a kind of a noisy marketplace. And again, you know, it, they have their benefits, obviously, but um, we don't solely focus on that. That's just kind of one of the tools. Um, we do like to kind of, you know, um, really focus on kind of where it's, um, you know, um, where we can really work more deeply with, mm -hmm. you know, our partner and, you know, that the parents and, you know, bring in alumni um, who, again, we have many, many enthusiastic alumni, luckily, because yeah. they've had, yeah. you know, wonderful experiences. So, again, the, you know, the, the the kind of platforms obviously have their, their place. Uh, but I would say it's just one of the tools in our toolkit. So, somebody who's starting out in admissions, you know, what are some of the things that they should kind of pay attention to as they start learning their role? Um, so, you mean what kind of like recruitment, admissions? All yeah. yeah. Online, yeah. we do everything. We do like the, the, the international education department here for us is like the whole cycle. So, mm. some people call it a college within the college. But when you talk about admissions, you're talking more recruitment and correct um i would say you know talk to your people and and go to nasa go to your any conferences you can airc you know just um really get to know what people are doing and people are great about you know giving you tips you know you go to Globe trotters page on facebook it's there's a lot of folks who can help you um mm -hmm. it is important to you know kind of uh learn as much as you can uh, about uh, the lab. You've got to keep your ear on, you know, to the ground because the trends are going to be really important. Um, otherwise, you know, you've got, you know, a certain amount of funding available, you know, um, how are you going to invest that, you know, in a way that will actually bring you returns? And then the other thing is there's no kind of like, this country is the best place to go to for all universities or all colleges. Sometimes you've really got to assess what it is that you bring to the table as, as a college or a university to really make sure that that fit is happening. Just because you, you know, you're another college or a university that you know of is really successful in a country doesn't mean necessarily that that same thing will mm. happen with you or vice versa. I mean, because you've got to really do some amount of assessing of what it is to so talk to students, talk to alumni, who you know attended your institution and really kind of first get at you know where do you add value where can you add value to that particular population so we we have you know large numbers of students from countries where you know they're not in the top five for community colleges or even you know universities in the even but because there's there's a certain kind of almost like uh you know it's it's a good fit connection um, yeah connection and also it depends on sometimes you know we've had other community colleges that might go to a country where it's like, wow, why are they going there? They yeah. have an alum who is very, very active and is right. now a, right. you know, partner agent. And yeah. so, you know, so sometimes you've got to pay attention to those kinds of things as well. All right. Well, I have one last question. Um, and in terms of the marketing tools that are kind of part of the repertoire, do you rely a lot on say, you know, SEO content strategy, advertising? Uh, we do rely on it. Yes. So, so it's again, we, we do, um, you know, um, kind of, you know, we use a CRM, we, 
um, do you know so social media advertising, all of that. Um, we do analyze, kind of you know, do the Google analytics and all of that. But it's it's kind of um, one of the many things. It's not yeah. our main focus because I mean, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, really, what we need to be doing is working the way we do it is with our networks, with our partners, and then gotcha. obviously you know, to analyze all of this, we use all of these tools and. Absolutely, you know, um, you know, all of these tools are important if you know we want to compete um with you know the world. Yeah. Uh but 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 um you know at the core we really focus on what it is where Shoreline adds value. And that is been awesome. successful for us. All right. Well, thank you so much uh for being here and thank you for answering uh, a lot of these questions. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.